Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stay with me. 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, some education, and uh, as always, no manipulation. We do not, I repeat, we do not play games. We are not here to hustle you. We're not here to hustle money. We're not here to get you to join up, fess up, give it up. Nothing like that. This show is here for one reason only, to give you accurate information. And not human speculation either. Accurate information. And that information comes from the canon of Scripture, the Word of God, or the Bible. That's right. It's a show about the Bible, but maybe not like any show you've heard before. No ranting and no raving, no yelling. And, uh, you know, just simply giving you the facts. And if you're interested, I can give you enough facts to help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And what you can do with that is up to you. You can orient and adjust to the plan, or you can continue down the my way highway, as maybe you've been doing most of your life. That's up to you. But you can never change anyone but yourself. That's something I learned a long time ago. I have a hard enough time keeping myself changed. I have a hard enough time riding herd on me. So I'm not here to ride herd on you. But I am here to give you your choices and your options. Remember, bad decisions limit future options. And if you make enough bad decisions, then obviously you don't have any options left. And so today I want to talk to you about a situation that uh, all of us need to consider very carefully. You've now gone through Christmas and you're looking to the new year. Some of you are intending to make New Year's resolutions. You're going to lose weight this year. You're going to uh, invest more money this year. You're going to spend more time with your family this year. You're going to do a lot of different things. You know, in your mind, you're saying, these are the things that I want to do this year. And most of them are wonderful, good things that probably you should do. But the $64,000 question is, will you be here to do it? That's right. Will you be here to do it? So many people gamble with the future. And gambling with the future is not a good thing. And that's what I would like to talk to you about today. I would like to ask you, are you gambling with the future? Let's go to the Word of God and let's see what the Bible says. First of all, I'm going to go to James chapter 4, and read verses 13 through verses 16. And the Bible says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your own arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. You know, no one knows the time and the day they're actually going to die. People 
do have premonitions sometimes, especially in combat, when sometimes you'll see a soldier say, you know, I think that next bullet may have my name on it. Hopefully that's not true. But thousands and thousands of wonderful Americans, men and women, have died to buy our freedom, to purchase our freedom. We stand free today because of their sacrifice. And we are free spiritually as well because of the sacrifice of one man, the anointed Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible says he that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. So he paid the penalty for our sin, and he purchased our freedom from the slave market of sin. Just as the military purchased our freedom on the battlefield, Jesus Christ purchased our freedom, spiritual freedom, on the cross. So now let's take a look at ourselves. We look in the mirror. There's a great poem. I don't have it with me, but it's called The Man in the Glass. And it talks about the man in the glass looking at himself and thinking that he's something that he's not. This is what arrogance does. Arrogance always gives us an unrealistic self-image. Because if we think we're something we're not, then we're not going to see the real us. We're not going to see what we're really like. And the way that arrogance works is always typical. And listen, you'll hear people talk about sin in the Bible. You'll hear people talk about drunks. You'll hear people talk about fornicators. You'll hear people talk about thieves. But rarely will you hear anyone talk about arrogance. Arrogance, one of the greatest mental attitude sins that we can have. After all, it was arrogance that propelled Satan in eternity past to assume that he was as good as God. It was arrogance that you can follow that trail through the Bible over and over and over again. Arrogance on the part of Peter that said, I will never deny you, Lord. And the Lord said, oh, yes, you will. Before the rooster even crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. See, an arrogant person doesn't see himself like that. He has an unrealistic self-image. And if you have an unrealistic self-image of yourself, then you have unrealistic expectations. So what are you really? What are you? You are a human being. God made you and gave you a soul. And inside of your soul, you have mentality. Inside of your soul, you have volition. Inside of your soul, you have a conscience. And you even have a self-consciousness. This is part of your soul. And God gave you a body. Some little bodies, some big bodies. Some tall, some short. But he gave us all a body. And so we have a body and we have a soul. But there's another part to us. It's called the human spirit. And when we are born into this world, unfortunately, because of our identification with Adam's original sin, we die spiritually and that part of us is spiritually dead. And we cannot have fellowship with God without a living human spirit. And so here's the wonderful thing about becoming a Christian. When you are born again, it's not your body. It's not your soul. It's your human spirit that's made alive. 
God the Holy Spirit will come and indwell your human spirit the moment you believe in Jesus Christ. And he will activate your dead human spirit. You will be made alive spiritually, and you will have a spiritual birthday. My physical birthday is in August, and my spiritual birthday is in August also. In August, I accepted Christ. In August, I was born into this world. And the question I have to ask you is, do you know your spiritual birthday? It's not necessarily essential, but you must have one. There must be a time that you were born again. And if you have been, then you cannot afford to let arrogance control your life. Let's go back and look at this verse. Those of you who say today or tomorrow we will do such a thing. So this is presumption, presuming that you will have a tomorrow, presuming that you will be here tomorrow. You know, did you ever pray that little prayer when you were young? Now I lay me down to sleep. The Lord, I pray my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, the Lord, I pray my soul to take. Did you ever do that? So you have no guarantee that once you go to bed New Year's Eve, that you will even wake up on January the 1st. You don't have a written contract. You don't have it anywhere signed and documented by God. You do not have a written contract that you will survive through the year 2015. So don't be foolish and say, I will do this and I will do that. This verse says, our life is just a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Go outside and look up and see the American Air Force. The United States Air Force, as the jets go across the sky and leave a vapor trail, and then eventually the vapor trail has disappeared and gone. It's like that with us. We live and we die, and life goes on. When you or I die, the freeway traffic won't stop. The malls won't come to a standstill. The grocery stores will still sell groceries, and we will be dead. But if we are in Christ, if we have received him as our Savior, we won't be dead. We will be face to face with him. We'll be in his presence, and we will await our resurrection bodies. We will await the shouted order for Christ to return when we will come back with him, and we will rule and reign with him during his reign of 1,000 years. It's a wonderful thing to comfort one another with. Death doesn't hold you. Jesus Christ walked out of the grave alive, and in Christ you are alive forevermore. You have eternal life, and the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be face to face with the Lord. So when this verse in James 4.13 says, what is your life? Well, number one, it's very valuable. From time to time, I have people write me, contact me, call me, people that listen to the radio show. And I spoke with one individual this week who's having a tremendous struggle in his life, trying to see the value of his life and the value of continuing to live like he's living. He is valuable, and you are valuable. You must understand that if you were not valuable, 
God would not have sent his son to pay for your sin. God loves you so much, and God sees so much value in you and who you are that he let his son die for us, for me, for you. Sure, we sin. Sure, we fail in different areas. No one's perfect, but he has not given up on us. The problem is when we give up on ourselves and we enter into depression, we allow the outside sources of adversity to become the inside source of stress. That's not the Christian life. And if you want to live the life that God has designed for you, then you must learn those wonderful problem-solving devices that we talk about on this radio show. So what is your life? It's very valuable. But it's not long. It's brief. It's not long. It's brief. Some of you, as I'm talking to, you're already into your 60s. You're already into your 70s. You're looking back and saying, my gosh, where did the time go? The next question is, where is it going in front of you? If you think that last 20 years went fast, the next 10 years is going to go even faster. And then it'll be time. It'll be time for you to depart and be face-to-face with the Lord. So instead of claiming that you're going to do this and you're going to do that, it's best to say, Father, if it's your will, this is what I would like to do. And who knows, maybe God will grant you your wish. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. But don't boast in your own ability. Don't boast in your own arrogance. Boast instead in the wonderful grace of God. Listen to Luke 12, 18. Verse 18 through verse 21 in Luke chapter 12. Luke was a doctor. You remember that. He accompanied Paul in many of his journeys. And so this is what Luke wrote. So he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who will these things be which you have provided? For yourself, And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What's the emphasis on this? Your treasure. You know, where is your treasure? You know, here's the amazing thing. Unhappy people take unhappiness with them wherever they go. Someone once asked Elvis Presley, after making all his music, After becoming famous, was he happy? His answer was blatant. He said, no, I'm lonely. That doesn't sound like a happy Elvis, does it? Someone of fame and fortune is often very lonely. And so, in spite of your riches, you can be the loneliest person in the world because you cannot buy love and you cannot buy affection. And so God has a plan for your life. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. 
He endorses your life, stabilizes your life, and gives you the opportunity to represent him in the devil's world. So you have a soul. You have mentality. You have the ability to think, to logic, to reason, to comprehend. And this, by the way, is what God looks at. God is not looking at how you're dressed. God is looking at what you're thinking. He wants to see your motives. He wants to see your intentions. That's what God looks at. When he's looking at the way you think, the Bible says, and hopefully you've heard me say this before, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. As we learn the scriptures, we learn to think like he thought. And that means, number one, he thought in terms of humility. Humility and arrogance are totally different. The arrogant person doesn't see himself as he really is. But the humble person, the person who has genuine humility, knows exactly what he is. And he knows exactly how much God loves him, forgives him, and upholds him. So this verse in Luke 12 This warning, you're a fool if you think that you're going to sit back and take it easy and your happiness is associated with the details of life, the barn, all your goods. That's happiness associated with the details of life. And the details of life will not make you happy. People cannot make you happy. Circumstances cannot make you happy. They can give you temporary joy, but that will fade away soon, and it'll all be back to you and your thoughts and your loneliness and your emptiness inside. You know why you have that? Because you've chosen to live your life apart from the God that loves you. You've chosen to go down the my way highway, even though you know, even though you are cognizant that you're doing the wrong thing. You've chosen to go that way. My advice is to do this. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. And my advice is for you and for me, for us to admit our sin to God immediately. Not to hide it, not to try to act like it's not there, but name it and admit it to God. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. You see, this keeps us from quenching the Holy Spirit. This keeps us from grieving the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is not quenched and not grieved, then he can empower us to understand and know God's will and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if you reject the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. If you live under the my way highway sign, if you think that attention to the details in life are going to give you what you're looking for, then you're going to show up at the grave miserable, lonely, and regretful because you're going to realize what a life you wasted. What a life you wasted. There is still time. The first thing that's necessary is for you to confess your sin to God. Or if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, 
to believe in him and receive him. And you can do that now. Wherever you are right now, you can simply bow your head. Don't do that if you're driving now. But you can simply pray. And you can say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. That's a simple statement. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And then tell him, I am willing to accept him as my Savior. That's an act of your volition, part of your soul. That's you making a decision to believe God. And then you know what? The Bible says these things are written so that you might know that you have eternal life. He that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you receive him as your Savior tonight, your star will never burn out. You will be as brilliant a thousand years from now as you will be the night that you accept him as your Savior. And if you are a Christian already, maybe you did it when you were young, maybe at a camp or maybe in a church, but you wandered away from the Lord, you've gone down that my way highway, then it's time to change. No one can change you. You're the only one that can do the changing. And again, it goes back to your volition. You have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to want it. You have to be willing to admit to God and to yourself that you've sinned, that you've forsaken his way, and you have to be willing to grow spiritually. There's only one way to grow spiritually. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's how we grow. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to control our life, by confessing our sins consistently, and as we learn God's word, we grow. And you know what? It won't take too long, and you won't even recognize yourself because you won't be worrying anymore. You won't be bitter anymore. You won't be full of implacability anymore. You won't be afraid. You will have an unbelievable attitude that comes through Jesus Christ. An attitude that even gives you the ability to love those who hate you. This is exactly what Christ did. And this is exactly what he says we have to do. We have to love our enemies. And there's only one way to do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. So if you're gambling on the future... Let's listen to these verses before we close. Hebrews 4.13 Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before him to whom we must give an account. So yeah, you can turn the lights off. You can get in the bed and pull the cover up over your head. God still sees you. He has the ability to know where you are at any time. He has the ability to know your thoughts and the intents of your heart. In Proverbs 5:21, for your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines your path. Your ways, 
that's not necessarily just the things that you do, but why you do what you do. What is it inside of you? What is your desire? What is your motive? What causes you to do what you do? See, God is aware of that also. And this is where he can change you. This is where he can give you a new desire and a new heart and a new way to live and a new outlook. And don't tell me you don't want it because I know you do. In Matthew 10:30, the very hair on your head is numbered. That's how intently God knows you. He knows everything about you. From the day you were born till the day that he calls you home. He knows everything, even the number of hairs on your head. In Job 34, verse 21, his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he sees all of his steps. So every decision that you make every day, God is aware of it. God knows it. And he could stop you sometime, but he won't. He's going to give you your volition. He's going to let you make your own decisions. Sometimes, as a Christian, he's going to discipline you when you step out of line. He's going to warn you through the word or maybe through a speaker. Or he may give you intense discipline to where you hurt This is all designed to get you to confess your sin and to get back in fellowship with God. But as long as you're alive, as long as you're still here, as long as you're kicking around on this planet, God has a plan for your life. Not your plan. This plan is far beyond what you could ever comprehend. You cannot even believe it. You know, if you took a piece of paper and you sat down and you said, this is what I would like for my life to be, that would be a mistake. If you gave it to God, he would make your life much, much, much better than anything you could imagine. That's what waits you. If you learn it, it's there, but you've got to comprehend it. He's got the perfect person. He's got the perfect place. He's got the perfect time. His plan is perfect for you. Will you be willing to learn it? Will you be willing to serve him? Will you be willing to go where very few people go? Do you have the courage to walk away from your sin, to walk away from your past, and turn to Jesus Christ? Do you? I'm counting on you to do that. I know you can, and I know you want to, and I know you are tired of gambling on the future. So I hope you've been listening, and I hope you've been paying attention, because I'll be back next week, same time, same place, with more of this message. If I can help, don't hesitate to call or don't hesitate to write. I will always respond. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, 
Cropwell, Alabama 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.